please do take your seats. Uh, the question I want us to be thinking about this morning in our time is, um, is the question of, should we be kind to other people? Should we be kind to other people? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's not a difficult question. You don't need to phone a friend on that, do you? Um, of course we should be kind to other people. The question is, why? Now, when we meet another person, what do we see? Now, w- w- when we come across somebody else, what is the point of that person? Uh, and so how should we treat them? Now, should we treat people in a different way to how we treat muck on the bottom of our shoes? Yes. Yes, we should. The question is, why? Uh, in that, that um, picture sent from the James Hub telescope, um, in that picture, some giant dust clouds have formed the shape of a question mark. See that in there? Right there? Question mark. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, that's completely random. Um, however, um, a New York Times journalist wrote this. He wrote, We've barely begun to know anything. That's why we build telescopes. Once the James Webb has completed its rounds of investigations two decades from now, we might know a bit more about how this bowl of stars works, but we still won't know why we are here. That question mark, our profound cosmic ignorance, is one of the great gifts of science. What he's saying is that the best science can do for us, I don't think he's right on this, but he says the best science can do for us is to help us wake up every morning and say, I have no idea why I exist. Uh, The best that science can do for us, he's saying, is when we can meet another person, when we come across somebody else, we can say, I have no idea why you exist. So therefore, I can't really find a good reason to treat you like deity or dirt. And it probably doesn't matter either way. All that we have is a question mark. Uh, Can we do any better than that? Well, in our, um, our monthly all-in services, we're looking at some of the core Christian beliefs, beliefs um, and today we're thinking about humanity. Um, and our church statement of faith summarizes what the Bible says about humanity like this. It says, All men and women being created in the image of God have inherent and equal dignity and worth. Their greatest purpose is to obey, worship, and love God. As a result of the fall of our first parents, every aspect of human nature has been corrupted And all men and women are without spiritual life, guilty sinners, and hostile to God. Every person is therefore under the just condemnation of God and needs to be born again, forgiven, and reconciled to God in order to know and please him. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, But how should we treat one another? And the point of this part of of our core belief is to say what the Bible says, it gives us a rich and deep foundations um, for all human interactions. And to help us explore that a bit together this morning, we're going to look at how Jesus interacted with a few people. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there are some at the back, you can go and grab one or put your hand up and one may come. And we're going to have a little look at Luke chapter 7, the end of Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to read for us from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. It says this. 
When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who, is ev who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How should we treat people? And when Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner, and he asked Simon a question in the middle of that passage in verse 44, he said, do you see this woman? Do you see her, Simon, he says. Now, of course, Simon sees her. We've already been told that Simon sees her. In verse 39, it says that this woman, she's making a great scene. She's crying so much that her tears are pouring on Jesus' feet. She's undone her hair. She's wiping his feet. She's pouring out perfume. The whole house is now smelling of it. Verse 39 says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he saw it. He saw this woman and he saw what she was doing. But Jesus still asks him, do you see this woman? Say, what do you see? Simon, when you look at this woman. And that's really where the rubber hits the road. It's very easy for us to talk about people in general. Uh, the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights begins by saying, all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. And it's easy to say that. We talk about humanity in general. We should be nice to people, of course. But what about the person sitting next to me right now? Should we be nice to them? Uh, it's, easy we should say, it's easy to say we should be nice to people, but what about people we don't want to be nice to? Uh, what does Simon see when he looks at this woman? Well, well what could he see? Um, can I have a volunteer? Somebody going to volunteer for me? It could be anybody. Anybody at all. Just want to ask a few little questions. Thanks very much, Kath. You come and stand up at the front. Great. Please don't trip over. Kath, say hello to Kath. Great, right. Um, Kath, 
Um, do you know how many bones you have? Can, can anybody help Kath out how many bones she has? Isaac. 206. There's a doctor at the back there. Is that right? <laughs> the doctor doesn't even know. Um, does anybody know how many bones a baby has? Two. <laughs> and yes, more, more. Anyone know how many more? 300. Someone say 300? About 300. That's right. A baby has about 300 bones. So you, you, you lose about 100 bones as you get older, which is pretty careless, isn't it? Pretty careless, Kath. <laughs> okay, right. Next question. Do you know how much blood you have in you? About eight pints. Eight pints. Has anybody got a bottle of water on them? So someone hold up. What's that? That's about... That, that, but it's probably about a pint of water in there, isn't it? I reckon. Um, with that, how much you got in there. So about eight of those you've got in you. That's not bad, is it? Yeah, that's good. Um, do you know how much water you have in you? Well, if we, if we look at the screen, apparently an infant has 75% water. It's crazy, isn't it? And then it kind of gets less. Uh, men have more water than women. There you go. A bit more wet, aren't we? There we go. Um, basically, Kath, all of this to say you are um, a bag of water with some bone and some blood mixed in. Does that, does that feel all right? Great. Well, if you're happy with that, you can go and sit down. Then. That's great. Brilliant. Thanks very much. A big question mark. No, science can tell us what we are. It can analyze the composition of, our, of the human body. It can't tell us why we are, what we're for. Simon, uh, Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, actually, we are told what Simon sees. We need, we need to get some Simon specs. I need some help, actually. Can someone help distribute my Simon specs? Um, Alex will help as well, won't you, Alex? Thanks very much. Um, Get, get your Simon specs on. This isn't going to work as well as it did at home because the screen is slightly different. But, um, I think there's only 20 pairs of Simon specs as well, so um, not everyone is going to get some Simon specs, but a few people can have some Simon specs. So... They're a little bit fiddly because they're all individually wrapped in cellophane. There you go. You can put, put on your Simon specs if you like. Here we go. Uh, Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, we are already told what Simon sees when he looks at this woman. Um, Simon is wearing some Simon specs. So if you close your, uh, if you look at that, if you close your right eye, I think this will work. Um, just look through the red. This, this, this doesn't work quite as well. If you close your right eye, what do you see? Sinner. There we go. Phew. There you go. It worked much better at home when I practiced this. But there you go. Um, sinner, that's what he sees. Um, when Simon looks at the woman, the lens through which he sees, um, he sees a sinner. In fact, we're told that because it says, when Simon looks at this woman, he's thinking, if Jesus were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. That's what he sees. She's a sinner. Now, in fact, everybody knew that about this woman. Uh, verse 37 has said, um, introduces her as a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Everybody knows she is a sinner. Her sin is public and it set her apart from everybody else. She stood out because of the way that she sinned. And Simon knows it. But Simon, Simon sees in a particular way through his specs. 
He speaks about the kind of woman she is, the sort, the type of woman. Her variety is sinner. And for Simon, the implication is that she is a sinner unlike him because that's not his kind. And so because she is a sinner, if you close your other eye, what do you see? Garbage. That's such a great American word, isn't it? Garbage. We haven't really got a a British equivalent of that. Rubbish doesn't quite get it. Uh, She is garbage as far as Simon is concerned. If Jesus knew who this woman was, what kind she was, he would not let someone like that touch him. Simon thinks this woman should be treated like muck on your shoes. You wipe it off, you you get rid of it, you have nothing to do with it. Now, Simon the Pharisee does something which is pretty easy for all of us to do. He divides the world into two kinds of people. Simon sees the world as made up of goodies and baddies. There are two kinds. There are sinners like this woman, and there are not sinners like Simon. And what it means for Simon is that he treats some people as worthy of love and others as not. We see this all around us today, don't we? There are people wearing Simon's specs. You see it in politics Opposing sides get polarized and then demonized, and somebody who belongs to the other party is only ever evil and not even worth listening to. It's easy for us to do it. We divide the world into people we notice and people we ignore. We divide the world into people we pray for and people we grumble about, people we sympathize with and people we treat as untouchable. When we encounter another person, what do we see? Do we see two kinds, my kind and their kind? In a moment, we're going to look at what Jesus sees. But before that, we're going to sing. We're going to sing a prayer together. See, we have a little glimpse in this account into the life of this woman. It shows something of the sadness of her life. And when we come before God, we want to be honest with him. At times, life is full of sorrow. At times, there is groaning and there are fears. And if that's not our story right now, you can be sure there are others around you for whom it is. And so we're going to sing a prayer together, sing it for ourselves, and we're going to sing it for one another as we seek together the mercies of Christ. Into the house, she makes a great scene. Simon is appalled, and Jesus says to him, do you see this woman? Uh, If you have a Bible open, look at verse 44, because there is a lovely detail here. It says, then Jesus turned towards the woman And he spoke to Simon, but he is fixed on the woman as he speaks to Simon. As he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Because Jesus does see her. Uh, Simon thinks that Jesus doesn't see. That's what he's thinking. Simon's thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon thinks Jesus doesn't know. Jesus doesn't see. And if Jesus did see, he would push her away. But, But I think that Jesus sees three things about this woman. Uh, first of all, it may be a bit of a surprise, he agrees with Simon. Uh, Simon says the woman is a sinner. Jesus says in verse 47, he speaks about her many sins. But, but there is a difference. You see, for Simon, the woman is a sinner unlike him. Uh, so Jesus tells a story about two people who both are debtors, two people who both need to be forgiven. Uh, The point he's making to Simon is that both Simon and the woman are sinners. You can't separate the world into two kinds of people, into them and us. You can't separate the world into good people and bad people. Uh, This guy, he's pretty cool. He's called Alexandra 
Sol's Hen Itzin. Um, and in communist Russia, he was sent off to a gulag in order to be systematically tortured. He suffered many, many things, horrible things. Uh, and he reflected on his, torture, on his torture and his torturers, and he said this. He said, the line separating good and evil passes right through every human heart. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there is something wrong with every human heart. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus sees that this woman does have many sins. But secondly, secondly, Simon is wrong when he says what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You see, uh, Simon thinks that sinner is her kind. But Jesus... Uh, Jesus was there right in the beginning. Uh, The man who goes to this dinner at Simon's house is also the God himself who came to live among us. And as God, he was there when the first stars began to shine. Uh, As God, he was there when the mountains were shaped. He was there when the land and the sea, uh, uh, when the sky was populated with the living creatures. When you read the opening chapters of the Bible, um, we're told about how the sea creatures are made according to their kinds. And then the winged creatures are made according to their kinds. And the land creatures are made according to their kinds. And then we're told that God made people. And although we share so much biology with the animals, the creation account speaks of humankind like this. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female, he created them. What is humankind? Our kind is to be created in the image of God. And that's where inherent dignity and worth comes from. It's the foundation of all human kindness that all of us are immeasurably significant because we bear the image of Almighty God. And this woman in Luke 7, her kind is not as a sinner. Her kind is made in the image of God. As Psalm 139 says, she is fearfully and wonderfully made. She's glorious. And in fact, it's only because of her immense worth and significance that it makes any sense to talk about her sin. Look at this. What's wrong with this picture? Anyone? What's, What's wrong with that? nothing. Kings shouldn't live in the mud, should they? No. How about this picture? Anything wrong with this picture? Nothing wrong with it at all. Pigs are made for mud. They love the mud. They roll in the mud. Their food is covered in the mud. And that's okay because that's their kind. They're pigs. Can't complain about a pig that lives in the muck. It's just doing what it is. But if a king lives in the muck, in all his royal finery, if a king moves into a pigsty and lives like a pig, that's wrong. Now, if sin was a a normal part of what it means to be human, we wouldn't have any grounds to complain. And when people hate each other and are unkind to each other, when people are selfish and cruel, we wouldn't have a ground to complain because we say, well, that's just people doing what people do. It's what we're made for. But what if we're not made for that? What if we do have a, a purpose and a significance? If we're made in the image of God, sin rightly is understood as falling short of glory and even when we do fall short we don't lose the image as you read on in in genesis there comes a really interesting bit in genesis chapter 9 
It comes after the flood. And after the flood, there's a very sober assessment of humankind, of how people behave. It says, every inclination of the human heart is evil. That our hearts are bent towards doing wrong. That comes naturally. Uh, but it's wrong because it's not originally natural. Then, then in Genesis 9, it says you can't kill people, which is a pretty good rule for life, isn't it? You can't kill people. But the reason you can't kill people is this. It says, for in the image of God has God made mankind. Now, even though we sin, and we all sin, what makes it wrong is that we still bear the divine image. It's our great dignity that makes our sin so wrong. It is royalty living in the muck. As Simon the Pharisee, he doesn't get this. Uh, for Simon the Pharisee, this woman who sins is beyond the pale. Her kind is a sinner, and his is not, so he'll have nothing to do with her, and he is wrong. No, she is glorious. The third thing that Jesus sees about this woman. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? In this whole event in Luke 7, there is one person who is not a sinner. Uh, Jesus never sinned. Even his enemies couldn't, couldn't find anything to accuse him of. Now, if anybody in this account could say, um, you're a sinner and so I'll have nothing to do with you, Jesus is the only one who could do that. He is without sin. But that's not what he says. Instead, he loves this woman with a great love. Now, how do we know that? Well, first of all, this woman is overflowing with love for Jesus. As she finds out where he's having dinner, she barges in, she cries and cries, she washes her feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, pours out a really expensive bottle of perfume and always is kissing his feet. She is utterly overcome with emotion. And it's all directed towards Jesus. She loves him immensely. Now, why does she love him? What caused that love? Where does her love come from? Well, I think Jesus explains it in the story to Simon. And he tells a story to Simon where two people owe money. And one of them owes a load of money, about kind of 18 months' wages. And the other one, not so much, like a couple of months' wages. It's still quite a lot. But both these people are in the same boat. They can't pay. It doesn't matter how much you owe. If you can't pay, you can't pay and you're in trouble. Uh, but in Jesus' story, the lender forgave the debts of both. And then Jesus asked Simon to imagine these people who have been forgiven their debt. With all, that, all the worry and the fear that comes from being in debt, just lifted in a moment, there's nothing for them to pay. And Jesus says, which will love the lender who forgave them? Who will love him more? And Simon, maybe a bit grumpily, answers, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus says, that's what's happening with this woman. She is a person who has had her debt lifted in a moment. She has had an avalanche of grace poured on her. That's why she loves so much. This woman is forgiven. And who has forgiven her? Well, we just need to see where her love is directed. All towards Jesus. Jesus has forgiven her everything. And what is that? What is this love? Well, the woman loves Jesus because he first loved her with a great, gracious wonderful love he doesn't push the woman away he doesn't treat her like muck he honors her as a divine image bearer she is glorious and he loves her so much he forgives all her sin and do you know what kind of love jesus has for this woman and jesus says to the woman your sins are forgiven now people hear that and they they're appalled they how can jesus say that who is this who even forgives sin well, the problem with Jesus saying that is seen if we think about the story. Two people owed money to a moneylender. 
Now, now, if one of their friends came up to them and said, oh, I see you're in a bit of a fix, I forgive your debt, the moneylender's going to jump up and say, hold on a minute, the money isn't owed to you, you can't forgive it. And when Jesus forgives the woman's sin, he's saying, your sin is against me. That's only going to be true if Jesus is God. A sin is falling short of the glory of God. It's scribbling over the divine image. If we wrong another person, what makes it sin is that the other person is made in the image of God. Sin ultimately is against God. The Bible says don't kill people because they're made in the image of God. The Bible says don't curse people, don't say unkind things to people because they're made in the image of God. It's wrong to harm ourselves by how we live and the decisions we make and our refusal to do what God says because we're made in the image of God. So when Jesus forgives this woman her sin, because her sin is against God, only God can forgive it, so Jesus can forgive it because he is God. And how does he forgive it? It was a bit like this. Um, Daniel, can you lend me 10 quid? I'll pay you back, all right? Great. Daniel's lent me 10 pounds, that's good. Uh, I'm going to invest this in Dan Bass, who um, has got a great um, Ponzi scheme, is that what you call it? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, I, I, I've lost it. I've lost all the money. I made a foolish investment. It's all gone. Daniel, I can't pay the money back. Who has lost 10 pounds? Have I lost 10 pounds? No. Daniel lost it. I didn't have 10 pounds to start with. It was given to me and I lost it. Daniel, at the end of this, hasn't got the 10 pounds. He ends up 10 pound poor. If he forgives me, he takes the cost. And when Jesus forgives this woman's sin, he's, Jesus is saying, I will take the hit for that. I will cover the cost. And that's why Jesus is there at this meal. That's why Jesus is there, God in the flesh. That's why God became man. He took the name Jesus because he will forgive, because he will save his people from their sins. And he will do it by paying himself. Now, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and deserve eternal death. And so Jesus said, I see that debt that you pay, that you owe. I see that you owe your life and I will come and pay it for you. That's why he went to the cross. That was his divine design to cover the debt owed by his people. Now, when Jesus says to this woman, your sins are forgiven, what is packed into that, he's saying, your sins are forgiven because I will die in your place. And I will receive eternal death under divine condemnation and my soul will be crushed because by my dying I can give you life. That's how much he loves her. That's what causes her to be so overcome with love for him. And when the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights says all humans are equal, it's only repeating what the Bible says. But the Bible says more. The Bible says all are equal in creation, every human made in the image of God. All are equal in the fall. All of us sin in different ways, but it's all sin. But all are equal in redemption. There is forgiveness of sins offered to any who would have it. And this woman will have it, we're told. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. And this woman, she is glorious. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. And yes, she has many sins, but she is loved and forgiven. And so Jesus says at the end, your faith has saved you. Go in peace says to go on. From here, you can go on to live at peace with God and learning to be at peace with everything else as you journey towards your heavenly home of indestructible peace. Go in peace. How do you see people? 
Now, it's easy for us to put on the Simon specs, isn't it? Especially when someone's life and choices are difficult for us. And I, I, I guess as, as we read this account in Luke 7, our sympathy is with the woman and not really with Simon. Uh, I think Simon's sins are the kind of sins we really hate, aren't they? He's judgmental, he's proud, he's bigoted, he treads on the weak and the vulnerable. It's easy for us to do to Simon what he does to the woman. But it's not what Jesus does, is it? And Jesus knows Simon, he knows what he's thinking. He knows that Simon's going to be rude and disrespectful to Jesus and isn't going to offer him proper hospitality and there'll be no water for his feet and no oil for his head. Jesus sees all the ugliness in Simon's heart. He still goes to dinner with him, talks to him about love and forgiveness. But Simon doesn't love Jesus because his sins aren't forgiven. But Jesus would forgive Simon. Now, if he asked, Jesus would do it. Jesus would forgive anybody who asks. You know, what's true of this woman and what is true of Simon is also true of you. Now, you are made in the image of God with inherent and astonishing dignity. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a worth that is inexpressible. And we all have sinned. Now, we know that, don't we? We don't need the Bible to tell us. Our own hearts tell us. The Bible helps us to see it more clearly. But also you are loved. And Jesus will love you with a kind of love that will forgive everything and restore what you were made for and purify you into the image of God again and give you a home in eternity. But Jesus will love you that much. He will love you all the way to the cross, all the way through the blood that he shed and, and all the way from the cross and through the empty grave and into heaven and he will love you into all eternity. But he won't force it. This woman had faith. She trusted Jesus. And Simon didn't. But Jesus offers himself to everyone. And you can trust him. Now that faith will save you and bring you into unending peace. Now what does this event show us in Luke 7? It shows us love. Great, great love. Love vast as the ocean. In a moment, we're going to have a time of open prayer to, to, to lift up our prayers of praise and thanks to God for his great love for us in the Lord Jesus. But before we do that, we're going to sing about his love together, his great love for all who will turn to him. Let's stand and sing.